This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I'm Gabe Nigel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me as always, Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. And you can catch him on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And he's still holding on to that poker chip. Who knows when he cashes it in? He is Jay Hood. Uh, and we're, we're kind of at this time. We're starting to build towards these pay-per-views. We see WWE building towards uh, their next one, which is Extreme Rules, coming up in a couple of weeks. And they've already started building for the one after that with, with Jake Paul and Roman Reigns and Saudi Arabia. And AEW coming off of a, a pretty good, I would say, kind of major show that they have on Wednesday and Friday, building towards their next pay-per-view, Full Gear, which usually comes our way in November. So it's kind of making us take this week, take a step back almost, as we reflect on WWE since Triple H has taken over. And we're just going to ask a simple question to start off GKW tonight, and it's who has been the MVP of the Triple H era since he took over a few months ago? Well, I mean, the the chalk, the obvious would be Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns was hot when Vince was there as well. So I'll go on the outside. You know what I'll give you? I will give you Matt Riddle. I'll give you hmm. that as a name. And, and here's why. Like, Riddle, first of all, Matt Riddle had his first name taken away under Vince. <laughs> and Triple <laughs> H gave Riddle his name back. But you saw the realism in his, um, his rivalry with Seth Rollins, guys. Like, Riddle was always over with me, but I think that he's taking an extra step, actually. Now, I know you say, well, he's not in a title picture or anything like that. But no, but he resonates so much where he's not just the goofy character where there's birds coming out of his ass. And actually, the guy's actually pretty serious. The guy is, is fighting with Rollins a lot. So I think that, for sure, moving the, the bloodline to the side, I would say that off the top, I would think Riddle is one of those guys that Triple H really likes. Yeah, I, that is an interesting one. I think the thing with Roman is it's almost like the, you know, in sport, when we talk about MVPs, the guy who's the best player, the LeBron, it's like, yeah, you're the best player in the league, but you can't be MVP every year. Like, to me, that's Roman. Like, he's the top of his game. He's going to be in those main events. But I'm going to keep it with the bloodline and storyline-wise. Like, Sami Zayn is so good right now. Like, that reaction when he got that shirt, like, it's all building up to the payoff when eventually he does get kicked out of the bloodline. And, you know, on Monday, showing how much he can still go in the ring with that match with AJ, he has been damn good, damn entertaining to where, like, it's awesome to see. Like, it's crazy to see Sami Zayn succeed in a WWE world that, honestly, I never thought I would see. I'm going to cry Mark tears when Sami Zayn gets yes. kicked out of the bloodline. Like it is just going to be absolutely heartbreaking. It is going to be devastating. I am like, I am going to like, if my, if my wife is in the room when I'm watching, when that moment happens, she's going to have to ask me if I'm okay. Like there are going to be some serious things wrong with me. Like there is going to be right now. Roman exists in the spot where, yeah, he's kind of a heel, but everybody right. is in on Roman Reigns. Like he is going to go back to being, full-fledged, 100% heel whenever he kicks Sammy out of the bloodline. Yes. Like, it's just, everyone's going to turn on him again because that's how good Sami Zayn has been in this whole storyline as the honorary ooze. And it just, it warmed my heart that he got his own T-shirt yeah. on Friday night on SmackDown. It just, the way he plays it up about how important that T-shirt is to him was fantastic. Going back to what you said about Riddle, I think it's just a wise move by Triple H. Like, um, you know, Vince was like, huh. 420, get it? Ha, huh? because he likes weed. Ha, ha, he's stoned all the time. Get it? That's a hilarious joke. Like, but this guy has the background of a serious ass kicker. So the fact that he gets to display that side of himself as well, I think is is absolutely a home run um, for, for Triple H. But the guy that I would vote for, who's been the MVP of the Triple H era, to me it's been the guy who's been holding up Monday Night Raw Ever since Triple H took over, Monday Night Raw is still the flagship of WWE. It's Kevin Owens to me. Like KO going back to the prize fighter personality and being that ass kicker and kind of being, yeah, probably a baby face, but kind of blends that line because he just wants to go out there and fight, fight Owens, fight. Like he continues to go out there each and every week, put on entertaining matches, give a really good promo. Um, this was the first week he didn't have that great promo before the match because they had set up the tag match that he was going to have with Johnny Gargano um, last week on Raw. 
So I think it's Kevin Owens who just continues to build himself as this potentially legit contender for Roman Reigns and the, the WWE Universal Championship. You know what the best part is, guys? Like, we spend a lot of time talking about how there aren't other stars developed outside of Roman. The Triple H era at this point is only two months old. That Vince tweet was sent on July 25th. It's now September 29th. Like, it's been two months. And, like, I think we have three guys that are legit guys. You look at the chat, there's some other ones. Seth Rollins is thrown out there. Like, that is impressive by Triple H in just two months of time. Yeah, C.J. Taylor is, gives us a number of them, like Sami Zayn, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Bianca Belair. Those are the MVPs in the Triple H era. Actually, it's good to have multiple uh, answers to that question because you're starting to see wrestlers get over. Look, you know, in any wrestling company that's thriving, there's usually your great eight, right? It's eight. It's a tag team. It's a singles world champion. It's the secondary champion. And then maybe a couple contenders and the rest is gravy. All the rest of those guys are just contenders. And so with this, it's like Triple H is saying, you know, Sami Zayn is more than just uh, uh, a crazy cartoon character. The guy can go. And we saw this on Monday Night Raw. I think that some people forgot when he took on AJ Styles. They're like, oh, he's just not a cartoon character. No, the guy can wrestle. I, I can make the claim right now he's a top 10 wrestler in that company just based on his ability. You Go back to those NXT matches against Kevin Owens. Go back to his time in the Indies in ROH. That guy is a great competitor. And you're right. In Salt Lake City, everyone was swerved on SmackDown because they're like, here it is. Here it comes. <laughs> this is it. The breakup. Here it goes. There's, no, here's another T-shirt for you. <laughs> that was smooth, man. It was and so it, good. It really it was good. So good. Like I think we know where this is leading, and this could be all the way to WrestleMania, where you know they, you know they kick him out of the bloodline. It's going to be Kevin Owens to Sami Zayn you know, for the tag team championships, probably at WrestleMania. We'll see. Yeah. But at this point in time, I love it because week after week, we're not sure how some of these other bloodline guys really feel about Sammy. So it makes it an MVP for sure. I mean, even yeah. simple stuff like the, the handshake with Jimmy, like just that <laughs> moment, like anytime those two are dapping each other off, like that's a win. Like he is so talented. <laughs> and, but Jay plays an upgrade too. Cause Jay's yeah. like giving a death stare. Cause he hates it, you know, but solo, like, He's into Sammy, too. He helps out Sammy in a big way on Monday. Told him to come out for his match a couple weeks ago after he told the Usos to stay back. Like, Jay's the one who's a little bit weary. Like, he's Jay's clearly the one who's going to be planting the seeds to the head of the table that they need to be dumping Sammy sooner rather than later. One misstep in the Triple H era, Shipper H, Shawn Michaels era, the one mistake they've made. How is it that you give Solo Sokoa the North American Championship and then take it away from him? How cool would it have been Bloodline, you know, with Roman, the Usos, and Solo Sokoa all holding up championships, yep. right? Don't let him win the championship and then take it away from him. That's one mistake there. He didn't need to win the championship for you to take it away from him. I, you know, I don't know why they did that, but they did yeah. that. No, I agree. And I've even seen people on Twitter, which I would love, like, have Sammy take the 24-7 title and treat it like it's Roman, like just so he has gold also. And like just to add to that, like that could add to the entertainment value. <laughs> Is the 24-7 title dead? When's the last time we saw that thing? I don't know. It's probably for the better. It's it's uh, a live on house shows where it belongs oh. actually, in the dark, right? Yeah. It, it, it belongs on house shows. You want to entertain the kids with the guys, when people are running around the ring chasing for the 24-7 championship. Triple H knows that that's stupid, and so he goes <laughs> – he's probably thinking, that's a nice attraction for the house shows. You want to do it there? Fine. Off of TV, right. though. Enough. Well, it was – and it was fine in some of the stuff they did, you know, like backstage segments. They've given it to some celebrities, you know, um, in the past. Um, so, like, whatever. You do that. But it was – it was becoming way too much of a mainstay on Monday night. Like it was getting a pretty good chunk of time. So if every once in a while you kind of run it back as a backstage segment, you know, like the 24 seven title being defended in the middle of a ring in an actual match was always kind of weird. Like, Oh, every it's all suspended right now during this match. And then the second the match is over, all the chaos ensued. So I think I, I would actually say that's another good thing in the triple H era of him putting that thing on the back burner and not being featured on Monday night. Raw. look, I understand Raw's three hours. You got to come up with ways to fill the three hours at times. And the 24 seven title was something easy to do, but I like that it's no longer on, on television because again, I can't remember the last time I saw it defended or people, you know, Dana Brooke and R-Truth and 
Tazawa and all those people running around backstage. I mean, it led to like multiple weddings for crying out loud. Like, what were we doing with the 24-7 title? Um did, did we not see like Becky Lynch making fun of Dana Brooke like early in the triple H era? Do I have that right? Wasn't it she I think they yeah. had a match actually? They did have a match, uh huh? Right. And it was, but it was like kept, yeah. Didn't Becky lose that match? I don't know if that match, yes. Calendar is, yeah, but like yeah, that made no sense. Yeah, it was just kind of it was like Becky was making fun of like, oh. The 24-7 champion. Okay, I'll face you. And then she lost. It was just kind of swerving the audience. Right. But no one really know, thinks that the 24-7 championship should be on TV. It's That's something in the past. I think it's great for kids. They can enjoy that and house shows in Topeka, but but not now. You know, that's uh, Triple H is about the wrestling, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like, we have had so much wrestling. Remember, this has been, you know, minus Cody. Like, Cody has not been part of the Triple H era yet. And we assume he'll be in the same good grace as he was pre-Triple H. But, like, the Seth Rollins of the world, like, there's, there's just been so much wrestling that it's nice to have these options to go through. Well, and, and I mean, Seth Rollins had lost so much. And I understand that Vince, and I know Triple H has said it in the past, I know Road Dogg, who they're going to be honoring Monday with the 25th anniversary of DX. Like, he's kind of getting back in the fold. I know he famously, when he was helping out on NXT, like went on a rant about how wins and losses don't really matter. And it was very apparent in the way that Vince booked Seth Rollins. Like Seth was just losing and losing and losing. And now, like even though Seth and Riddle aren't around the championship scene, and I know Seth has been hinting at that. It's been way too long since he's had championship gold, part of his promo a couple of weeks ago. Like that feels like a big time and, and because Seth got a win and Seth feels – more legitimate now than he did coming out of that feud with Cody Rhodes. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I don't know if wins and losses matter in the WWE um, under Triple H, but I think it, at least it'll come across like it does. I mean, under Vince, it really did not. I think that we'll get get back to that a little bit more. Like you're not going to get a top ten like AEW. No, but I like I like that the feeling like it's gonna like it does matter. Oh, by the way, so Gabe says that he's going to have real Mark tears um, when Sami Zayn get, uh, finally gets his t-shirt <laughs> taken away from him. Uh, uh, bro, what was the last time that you cried at a wrestling match? So maybe not crying, but I remember a moment because Gabe, you mentioned like your wife walking in. When Jericho and KO broke up, like I remember being like, what's oh. going on? And my wife walking in, like, getting over, she's like, oh, he's on the list. I'm like, don't say that. There's no way that's true. And then it turned, I remember that hurting me and affecting me emotionally. <laughs> I mean, it was devastating. It was yeah. devastating. You know, the list of KO and then, Jer yeah. oh, man, that was, oh. that was, especially because, like, that one hurt. Because, like, Jericho gave such a heartfelt, like, yes. this has been, like, the best year of my life. I've had so much fun with you. I'm glad we get to do this. <laughs> and then KO kicked that uh, shit out of him. Man, still hurts. I, it, it has. I mean, who cries over wrestling? Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, real thug tears. Like, real, real, like... Oh my God, because you know it's coming, right? It's telegraphed. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. Like Shawn Michaels, like, I'm sorry, I love you, but you're gonna I'm gonna kick your teeth down your throat and you're gonna take this pinfall. And like And you're never gonna see Flair wrestle after that. I yeah, mean never you know, again. that's the last time. <laughs> never again. <laughs> you I then he officially retired. We never saw him again. <laughs> I will never retire. And all of a sudden oh. he's, he's in TNA against Hogan bleeding for no reason. <laughs> Great. I thought and you were projecting that, by the way, that we're going to have Flair Hogan and TNA again. Is that going to happen in the next few months? Yes. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, since since you're the official Impact guy, Jay Hood, that means you have to watch that. Oh my All right? God. I don't know. I don't know if I can watch another Ric Flair match, man. Like that will actually bring me tears. Like if I have to watch another one, because yikes. It's not it's not in our format here, but um, <laughs> but Blair did say that he yeah. regrets saying that his last match was going to be in Nashville, and he wants to wrestle again. If you can believe that, uh, no, I can believe it. I mean, we have to, but I believe it. He's gonna he's gonna do it. Oh, CJ, CJ was a great one, man. Like that was like I did feel some things when Kofi won that title. Kofi Mania at WrestleMania. Like, and I, like, I had mixed emotions going in there. I had so many things going on. I watched that because the next day 
I went to Augusta for the first time for a practice round. And that was the year Tiger Woods ended up going to one to win the masters. So when Kofi, I'm like, I went there with my mom. I have set up in the Airbnb, my laptop. I made sure I brought an HDMI cord so I could hook my laptop up to the TV in the Airbnb so I could watch that WrestleMania in particular, because I wanted to see Kofi win. And like you, when, when the new day rushed the ring and you saw how, like how, how much it meant to Xavier and Big E, like it almost meant more to them than it did Kofi. Like that was man, CJ. That was a great one. Yes, that was that one. That one hit you right in the feels when uh, when Kofi won that title at Mania. Yeah, there's Again. that video that goes around social of MVP and uh, Shad uh, watching that moment. Yes, and them getting emotional. Like they were yes. out somewhere watching it. And I think MVP has since said like he didn't want that video out there. Someone just happened to put it out there. But like you saw to talk about how much it meant. You saw them like get emotional in that moment. Because it came out of nowhere, right? Here's a guy here that's been underneath his entire career. I kept talking about on, on wrestling podcasts, what happened to Randy Orton against Kofi Kingston, how they had a banger at Madison Square Garden, how he deserves more, and then he gets it. It's like, holy cow, Kofi Kingston's heavyweight champion. And that was supposed to be – I mean, and it, it, it started when he ended up being a replacement for Mustafa Ali. Like, like it just came, like you said, it came out of nowhere. Like he has this great run in an elimination chamber. Everyone just latches onto him and Kofi mania runs wild. That was, that certainly again, ended poorly because then they went on Fox and and we Uh don't need to talk about that part of how it ended because how it, you know, again, how he got the moment was uh, certainly very, very important. All right, Brian, what else do we have? The other top three stories we have in the world of professional wrestling. We like to call it the three count. What do we have at number one? All right. Some guys that we did not mention, we sort of mentioned the bloodline. The Usos tag team title range continues on. They've held the SmackDown titles for 437 days, the Raw titles for 131. So we did this with Roman a few weeks ago. Going back the last 20 years of the WWE, which teams would you have end the Usos tag team title run? Well, I know they've they've fought, but I again the, the one that actually seems kind of realistic to me is if Big E comes back, you can have the New Day. I mean, the, the New Day and Usos have, I mean, they've had so many different matches over the course of time, but they're they're in that fight forever category for me. Like, and you don't need much of a reason to put those five, you know, and whatever combination of two you decide from the New Day versus the Usos. Like, I I don't need a, an excuse to put those guys in the ring. And it seems somewhat realistic to me if Big E can get to that point where he can be cleared and come back. I think that'd be such a powerful moment for him. If you could do that um, potentially at a WrestleMania or at a SummerSlam, one of their big shows. Um, So in terms of that, that was the first one that came to my mind in terms of tag teams from the past 20 years that could potentially do that. My friends, let me just tell you something. This tag team run for the Usos has been a fraud. Mm. Ooh. The wow. Usos barely cracked my top 10 all time for wrestling tag teams. And here's really? why it's a fraud. It's not because of them. It's because of the company, because of Vince. Vince and Eric Bischoff are two, two particular promoters that never understood and never valued tag team wrestling. When times were thin, you know what they do, Gabe? They'd say, all singles matches, pal, because if you bring in tag team matches, then you get to pay all four of them, which is ridiculous, right? I'm a tag team wrestling mark. I, I love tag team wrestling. But for whatever – look at look through the last 10 years, 15 years. All the tag teams that we know, they're all singles guys just tagged up. You know, just like Team Hell No or having The Undertaker and Kane together or uh, Jarrah Show, you know, with, with Jarrah Show and Big Show. Yeah, like RK Bro, right. I mean, the, the Rock and Sock Connection. Just two singles guys you put together as a tag team. I like pure tag teams. This is nothing against the Usos. It's just that this whole run has been nonsense. The idea that they put this video up, and, and I love this history because Triple H understands history, where the Usos more than likely going to break Demolition's record for longest reign as tag team champions. Well, Demolition was on the road 300 days a year. And during that time, they had 10 tag teams. Ten tag teams. They had a long list of tag teams. And you could split up the cards where it's like, well, we got three tag teams in this town. We got three tag teams in this town. You could be able to do it because they had a big roster. It's just that, to me, like, I wrote down, like, the Hardys and 
the Dudleys and Edge and Christian. But it's like, as much as I like those matches against the Usos, when the Hardys and the Dudleys and Edge and Christian were around, you actually had some good tag teams. What who, who what's the besides the New Day and the Usos? What's the next level of tag team matches that you've seen with the Usos besides the New Day, where it was just bangers like quality? I mean, I, mean, I, I like the for those couple of pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah, Street Profits were pretty good. You know, again, those are very very recent. Yeah, but you, I mean, you talk about point? tag teams like if you go through look through the history of the Raw and SmackDown tag titles for the last fifteen to twenty years. Whew, there are some forgettable teams on that list. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Right, okay. Like, did we see the Usos revival? Did we see FTR against the Usos? Did we get that? Was match? it? Is I that mean, it, they were feuding with. And they did the whole back shaving thing. Yeah, it was. End? Yeah. Toward the end of that run, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't remember matches, but I remember the back shaving thing with FTR. Yeah. The revival, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the the Usos were definitely a part of that. Yeah, where it was where the where FTR became more of a joke tag team, right. and they were a comedy side. But that's what happens to so many of these tag teams, right? Like they just for whatever reason, Vince, who was anti tag team, despite his company making all this money, like a lot of those tag teams. I mean, a lot of these tag teams have succeeded in spite of WWE. Like yes. the New Day, you know, just they refused to break up. You know, they they started off as these baby faces, preacher, power of positivity. Everybody turns on them, so they become heels. They they somehow embrace that, and then everybody gets on their side because they somehow turned this preacher, power of positivity thing into an actual gimmick that people could get behind. And, And now they're just refusing to break up. Like, that's how good those three guys are. Like, the Usos have... I mean, it's been a while, but the Usos used to be the face paint, and they were they were very kid friendly, and then they reinvented themselves when you know, man, at this point it's probably five six years ago where they where they've been more of a, a heelish tag team where they're more physical, and they reinvented themselves to keep going as a tag team. Like these are the only two examples because they have found ways to succeed in spite of WWE, who typically breaks up those tag teams or makes them a joke. And it's just so hard to get over once you've reached that, oh, they're just a joke, WWE thing, which to your point earlier about Riddle potentially being an MVP of the Triple H era, like for him to go from the, ha he likes to smoke weed, get it, guy, to getting over with Randy Orton, to getting over where he is right now is an incredible story. Because usually when you become that joke, you end up running around backstage with our truth chasing for that 24-7. Yeah, I mean, we talked about with Roman where, like, there weren't contenders. Like, there are no legit contenders to the tag titles right now because when the reign ends, it needs to be a special moment. I, over the last couple weeks, Rich Holland and Pete Dunn, like, I look at them as legit contenders. I hate that they sort of threw the match away on Friday to sort of give that out. But that's it. Like, who else on the tag team roster right now is saying, like, okay, those two can eventually beat them. Like, it unfortunately is two single guys. Like, KO and Sammy beating them for the tag titles at Mania – is the only thing that makes sense storyline right now. Well, think about it. I mean, think about how they've treated the tag titles in the past. Braun Strowman won them at WrestleMania literally with a child. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. That, that's how the tag team... But again, and, and, and you have to wonder how, how serious Triple H treats it with the way that Braun Strowman debuted. And he literally runs over four tag teams who are trying to get into a number one contenders match for those tag team titles. So how serious is Triple H going to be treating tag team wrestling going forward? That's still one question that I have about the Triple H era. As much fun as I've had, and as to me, much faith, good faith, that Triple H has built up with wrestling fans, that's the one question that I still have. He's treating the women's division great. He's propping up the secondary titles, pretty much because he has to, because he doesn't have any main titles right now. But he's propping up those secondary titles. But what's he going to do about the tag team division? Well, I mean that—that's the thing. Like, I love tag team wrestling, and there's nothing wrong with having contender, real tag teams that can contend for the championships. The Usos' run has been tainted for me because they take on the New Day, which is a great. I'll see that match ten times out of ten. I would travel the loop knowing if they're like a semi-main event or the main event because I know that they're going to give us great action. But that's it, though. I mean, I mean, I mean listen. This wrestling is about variety. Wrestling is a carnival. 
It can't just be the lion tamer. It's got to be other stuff that you see in the circus. I, I, I get my fill of singles matches. What's the difference between one singles match and the other these days in AEW or the WWE? It's going to be a dive through the ropes. There's going to be uh, jumping off the top rope. There won't be too much in-ring wrestling. Nothing's really unique as much anymore unless you go to the uh, independence or in the UK someplace. So tag team wrestling gives you a variety, though, because the finish is not always the same. If it's done right, it's fun. So, so, so like Santana and Ortiz and the Young Bucks uh, against the Usos, uh, motor, you know, yeah. teams like that. I would love to see that over the last twenty years because those are a couple of TNA teams I just gave sure. you there mm-hmm. with uh, with the Young Bucks in AEW. They were in TNA before that. Santana Ortiz, uh, who else did I write? Oh, Riley and um, and Bobby Fish. You know, like yeah. like that. Those would be great matches, but it's always the same. So. I mean, I'm a little offended you left out, you know, Ray Phoenix and, you know, um, and Pentagon. But, you know, hey, that's that's just me as Ray Phoenix, Mark. Ray Phoenix I thought Gabe was going to be upset you left out 2.0. Well, I mean, Ray Daddy Magic wants taste. Give him a Ray taste Ray. of the titles. <laughs> Ray Phoenix is a singles wrestler. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a future AEW champion. Hey, what do you mean? He is. He is a trios champion right now. Oh. I know you forgot about it because I think everybody else did too. Because well, Death Triangles lost about every match they've had since you know they won those trios titles. Well, that's to true. your point, Jay Hood. Like if you go through like the WWE lineage of the former champion, you say, "Oh, this would be a fun match." Like you have to do a lot of assuming of like, okay, if they're booked correctly. Like Revival is perfectly like if you book them correctly, them winning with a big a big moment. I even wrote down AOP. Like, going back to their NXT days when they had Ellering, like, they were legit. They were stars down there. That didn't quite translate to the main roster. But if those guys were booked right, that would have been a fun run to see them knock off the Usos. I mean, I think we kind of assumed that they weren't going to be booked right, but they also had some injury. Like, it seemed like any time they were ready to get pushed, there was some sort of injury that they had to deal with, which obviously is something that plays into this as well. You know, where we're kind of injuries can kind of derail some of those things. So staying healthy, as we mentioned with Big E, it just – you never know, but yeah, it's because in WWE, they, the Usos and the New Day stand out because either it's two singles wrestlers, you know, getting paired together and okay, this is going to be a tag team or you're a tag team when you come in and we immediately start to wonder, all right, who's Marty and who's HBK because WWE is going to break you up eventually. So who's going to be the one that rest? And that's a conversation we've had with the street profits many a time right here on GKW. But does the fact that they haven't broken up yet, does that say something? Because maybe they haven't been as high as they were, but the street profits still being together is surprising. Like we all assumed it would be ended by this point. You know why? Because Dawkins says, F that. You're not leaving me behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. He's like, no. Shows. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't make me Marty. Please. Don't make me, don't make me Jim Neidhart. Please. Don't do that. Please. Because, because you know what? We've talked about it before, too. Dawkins, remember, this is under Triple H, too. Didn't we see singles? Yep. Both of those guys mm-hmm. are on Seth Rollins. Uh-huh. The singles competition. Yep. Dawkins. Dawkins was more impressive than his tag team partner, yep. quite frankly. He was. Mm-hmm. He, he, he dropped some weight, put on some muscle, just like his tag team partner. He's like, you're not leaving me. I can go too. Don't, right. don't leave me, though. Because we thought that eventually they were going to break up and not the case. No. Well, because and, – and this was a lesson I was hoping they would learn with the New Day, and I don't think they really learned with the New Day. But, like, you can still – and, and maybe they're learning this lesson because we see more and more factions starting to pop up in WWE. Like you can have single success and still be a part of that faction. Like you had with Big E, although they broke Big E away from the new day during his WWE championship run, which I was not a fan of, um, you know, whereas Kofi was still a part of the new day and all three of them were still together during his run. I, I think you can find a way to balance that single success while still having either a tag team or faction, you don't have to break up if it doesn't necessarily make sense storyline wise. I don't yeah. think you have to force it. What do we got at number two in the three count? All right, guys. One of the most talked about angles in the WWE right now has been the White Rabbit. Matt Camp from the WWE's The Bump explains it a little bit more. Take a look back because it has been quite a month here. Eerie songs been played. We just go back here earlier this month. Saw a QR code behind Austin Theory. A fan in the crowd with the QR code here. That leads us to this hopping white 
rabbit hopping over letters, trying to tell us something as we all try to figure out what the heck this means. And this was just the start over, of course, the last few weeks of what we learned about. And if you like playing hangman at home, well, this rabbit did indeed help you out. Who killed the world? And as we're gonna see, the answer, if it even means anything as you're watching, is you did. But that wasn't it. We know this has continued. Come with me, the 923, is it a date? Is it a time? We've all tried to figure these clues out, but there's more of these clues. As we'll go to SmackDown here a few days later, as you see Hit Row here and join their party, a QR code's gonna pop up once again there. And you're watching, you grabbed it, it would show up here again. And these are popping up. Look at the places these are popping up. You followed that, you got to this coal, coordinates, numbers. I'm Googling it just like all of you are. This past Monday on Raw from Edmonton, Alberta, that QR code is going to pop up here. And then, as we see here on the announce table, this QR code pops up leading to this TikTok. That is just some of what we've seen on television. A couple, <laughs> uh -huh. a couple other notes that the internet has pointed out. Reddit users have found that if you search White Rabbit on the WWE Network, one match shows up. That is the Firefly Funhouse. And also, who's doing this? I don't know. If you source code that TikTok video, within that source code are lyrics to Aleister Black's WWE theme song. So... What are the chances that the White Rabbit is not Bray Wyatt at this point? I mean, it's <clears throat> the Alistair Black thing that's kind of come up and like, you know, reportedly he, you know, asked for his release and he's got to come out and saying, no, like I'm still under contract. And it seems like Tony is saying no to all those releases, but Murphy reportedly also wanted to get released. It kind of has to be Bray Wyatt at this point. Like if it's anybody else, like, they're going to get booed the way that that Rey Mysterio got booed when he wasn't Daniel Bryan when he came out at number 30 in that Royal Rumble, right? Like, everybody wanted Daniel Bryan, ended up not. And Ray, who's as over, you know, as, as a WWE superstar can be for as long as he's been around, he still gets booed because they wanted Daniel Bryan. Look, this thing is fun, I, I think, because you can, if you want to, pay attention to it. If you want to look, I don't know how to source code anything. I don't even know what that means. But if you want to do that, go for it. You can, and you can find these lyrics and you like dropping all these clues and appealing to that hardest of hardcore fan who wants to dive in it with those Easter eggs. Like it's fun. It's great. You do have to deliver though, especially when you continue to just put out QR code. Now you're building it up. You're building it up. So if you don't deliver with a huge return, it could fall flat. That's that's the only thing I'm going to caution. If you don't hit the home run with the debut, the whole thing falls flat. I think this is brilliant by the WWE. It's brilliant because you are really chasing the white rabbit. You're trying to figure out how can you catch this white rabbit, trying to find out like who this really is. This is CM Punk coming back to AEW, coming back to wrestling. Everyone knows it was CM Punk. There's a reason why the building was booked for the United Center, 20,000 people to see it, and he actually arrives. And the same thing with, with Bray Wyatt. It's just anticipation for him to finally show up. The reason why SmackDown's numbers were so big from Salt Lake because they thought he was going to show up on SmackDown. Yep. 2.5, 2.6 million people on a Friday night, Friday night, to see SmackDown because they thought they were going to get a glimpse of Bray Wyatt. Um, so I just think this is great. Uh, 100%, to answer your question, 100% is going to be Bray Wyatt. We just don't know when, but I just love, I'm fascinated by how they have people pretty much chasing this whole thing, QR codes, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I think it's really, really well done. Well, to your point about the timing, though, does there come a point where maybe it goes too long? Because that was a dangerous game on Friday, the 9:23, 9:23. Like it wasn't even like we got a QR code at that time. We got a commercial at that time, and that's mm -hmm. something that could piss people off. Where it's like wait a minute, I invested this time, like, this is what I wanted to do. If it's not extreme rules, which I guess is where we're headed, like, doesn't it become a little too long at this point? 
And again, that's that's what I think you have to worry about, right? Like if you, and Jay Hood, you just mentioned the the number that SmackDown popped, two point six million. How many of those people are pissed off because right. they tuned in waiting for it? Now all I got was another QR code, and now on Monday all we got was another QR code. Like tomorrow night, is that all we're going to get? Is another QR code? And look, these things are fun, but you have to pay it off. I don't think you can keep dragging it out, and we're still a week and a half away from from extreme rules or people going to in, in this society where everything needs to have instant gratification. Is that waiting too long to pay this off? I remember a countdown clock for Jericho to come to WWE and he came to Chicago. I was actually there at the uh, Rosemont horizon and people were waiting. This it was like a five week deal where the countdown clock was going at some point. You just knew it was Jericho, but it didn't say, but you saw the countdown clock. And he finally did show up, and he got embarrassed by The Rock that same day, I believe. Um, you've, been down south, you've been down south wrestling a guy named Hooventude. Uh, <laughs> along those lines. Um, but uh, I I really, really uh, think that it's going to be paid off pretty soon here. I know people want it, but, you know, if you really want Bray Wyatt, you'll stick around. You'll keep following those codes. And I think it'll be happen sooner than later. But you know what's going to happen. First of all, He's not going to show up in Salt Lake. Come on, bro. <laughs> no, uh -oh. Here we go. Jay Hood's judging cities again. Shocking. This is the sea town of, of Salt Lake. No, he's not showing up there. It's funny, like, over the years where you think someone's going to show up in, like, on a Raw or SmackDown. Look at the city. That's what you look at. That's the first, that's the first thing you look at. Brock's going to show up tonight. Not in some B-town. Get out of here. It's going to be a major event. Something like that. Maybe it is Extreme Rules. Maybe he's going to show up. And I don't know. But I think it's going to be in a major city, major event. I, okay. I, I mean, eventually, like, I'm going to be excited for Bray. Like, Bray going unchecked by Vince. Like, I'm excited to see that. Like, when he was doing the Firefly Funhouse, that was legit the only thing I was watching in the WWE. Like, I'd fast forward through Raw. I was like, oh, no, there he is. Like, let me watch all that. Like, that is fun. And I'm excited to see that. But there does come a point where, like, yes, the Jericho clock's a good example, but those were simpler times. Like, people weren't as bored as that. Like, they weren't scrolling through Twitter at that time. Like, it's different. But the difference is you knew it was coming. Like, the Jericho right. content, and they've done yeah. that a couple times with Jericho when he's come back with the countdown clock. Like, okay, which yeah. is what made the 923-923 thing yeah. dangerous because when you put the date and the time, now you're thinking, ooh, debut. Like, oh, this is when they're going to pay it off. And I think that I think they've been wise to kind of avoid dates the way they did there, going with the other QR code since then. Are you sure that 923 was a date? Well, what else was I mean, it was a time? Like, we had both. Like, it was a commercial at that time. I mean, it was. That's the, it was well, that's the mystery. I mean, to, you, to the three of us, it's a date, but maybe it meant something different. All I know is that. Please look this up, bro. It's I believe SmackDown's in Winnipeg on Friday. He ain't yeah, showing up in Winnipeg. He ain't showing up in Winnipeg. He ain't showing up in Winnipeg. He ain't crossing the border for that. Were they in Edmonton on Monday? For Monday, yeah. Monday? yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, check the towns. <laughs> you're just you're not showing up in these in some B and C town to be able to show Bray Wyatt. Check the city. Check the event. That's how that works. Come on, man. That's how they're going to swerve Jay Hood. They're going to show up in a D-Town, and he's going to be so shocked that someone made a see, debut there. See, I've been, I've been trying to rack my brain. I feel like we got a big debut in Green Bay here in Wisconsin one year, and I can't remember who it was. It was the Crusher. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Crusher with the bolo punch. The Crusher. All right. Well, we're <laughs> we're going to move on to number three to rack my brain here of who debuted in Green Bay. What else? What's our final on the three counts? All right, bro. It's you gotta love the Crusher, right? So I'll tell you this quick story. Crusher and Bruiser, guys. If you've never seen them wrestle, uh, I grew up watching those guys. Look them up. Just do a Google search of the Bruiser and the Crusher. The Crusher, by the way, is a an idol in Milwaukee, right? He's got his own statue. Okay, so here's what's so funny: Comiskey Park, Chicago. It's the Bruiser and the Crusher who've been kicking people's ass forever, right? For through the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. They take on a couple of upstarts named the Road Warriors, right? <laughs> and so, so the Bruiser and Crusher are no more than five eight, five nine. They look bigger in life on TV, but ultimately they're like five eight, five nine. The Crusher says, 
hey, in the back, he goes, hey, guys, hey, Hawk, none of this bullshit, none of this. And he's raising his arms like, you're not going to press slam me, right? Because I haven't been off my feet since 1965. So, like, you're not going to do any of this, right? And Hawk's like, yeah, yeah, boss, no problem. No press slam. Five minutes into the match, you go back and watch it. Five minutes into the match, a pickup and a and a press slam over his head. The crusher goes right down. He's like, these old timers are sixty years old. You don't tell me I'm not gonna press slam you. I'm twenty eight years old. I'm jacked. You don't think I'm gonna slam you? Get the hell out of here. That's what we do. So that's that's the legend of the crusher. None of this tonight. None of this. Okay. Good to know. The uh, number three, speaking of debuts, last week on Dynamite, we saw Soraya make her AEW debut. This past Monday on Raw, Candice LeRae makes her Raw debut. So, guys, who will make a bigger impact in their company, Soraya or Candice LeRae? I'm still on Soraya here just because I, I think that there is a lack of stars in, in AEW. And I understand, like, Soraya had a rough go of it last night. Wasn't a great promo, wasn't as smooth as she typically is. But as she said, she tweeted out today, it's been a while since she's she stepped in the ring and been able to do that. And, you know, the crowd, I think, certainly got to her with the warm welcome. They didn't go after her, but it kind of threw her off her game a little bit. Heck, we saw that happen with The Rock when Dwayne Johnson came back a decade ago with the WWE where, like, he was writing notes on his hand because it was just so long since he had performed in front of the live crowd. It was, it's just something different. So... Well, last night was certainly, I think, rocky for Soraya, and we're still not 100% sure if she's actually going to be cleared to wrestle. It certainly seems that it's trending in that direction, that she's going to get physical at some point in AEW. I just think there's greater opportunity in the women's division for her to stand out as a star, where Candice LeRae, where the, the, the women's division in WWE, there's a little bit more work that needs to be done for Candice to get herself into that main event scene the way that I think Soraya, Soraya excuse me, is instantly in that AEW main event scene for the women. It is uh, it is definitely Candice LeRae. That's the answer to that question. Because, first of all, she's got her husband in there, so that's the automatic push that Johnny Gargano's there, so there'll be a push. And there's a need for veteran women on SmackDown. That's one. Soraya was a disaster Wednesday night. A disaster. And, and it just shows you, you haven't done a promo for a long time. You're used to a WWE style, and she's just out there meandering. No script, no bullet points. She knows where she's supposed to be. But it's, it reminded me so much of William Regal when he first got back, right? When he, first, when he got to AEW, that promo was like 20 minutes long. He didn't know when to stop. They're wrapping him up, his, and he's still doing his sunshine routine and still talking. It, it was bad, guys. I mean, like that was the worst segment on Dynamite. From Philly, that mm -hmm. crowd's hot. It's violent. That crowd wanted to see action. And here is, hello, hi everybody. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. So how's everyone doing today? Get off the screen. That's how I'm doing today. Get to the point of the match, right? Like it's yeah. Serena Deeb and get like just get to it. All I got out of it is that um, Jamie Hader's over, and they really want to see yeah. her as champion. That's what I got out of that segment. Soraya being there, and then she's on commentary. Wasn't great. Wasn't great there either. Um, to me, and, and the bottom line of all of this, to me, bro, it's is she's not medically cleared. Still, so I don't. So, so what is she going to be a manager? She's Stokely Hathaway. Like, what is she doing there? She says she wants to change the division. Something else that rubbed me the wrong way is like, so you who haven't been in the ring for a long time, that's been stuck in WWE, going to tell me that Tony Storm's over? Who are you to tell me the Tony Tony Storm's over? I thought that was just awkward. It was, was yeah. the whole thing was yeah. I I didn't understand the point of the segment. That was I mean first and foremost, like I didn't understand the point of her bringing out a very thin with yes. women's locker room. I don't know if people some people couldn't get there with Hurricane Ian going on, and certainly that's understandable. But like, hey, let's bring out the women of AEW and five people come out, right? And some of them that you've never seen, like I, Blue Panther, I, there was one of them, I, I was like, I don't know who this person is. Like, are they just like the chaperone of this group? I don't understand. But yeah, when you say, hey, let's have all the women come out and five come out, like, yeah, that's a really bad look. Yeah, it was Willow Nightingale coming out there. I, I didn't expect yeah. nothing against her. I was just like, 
oh, Willow Nightingale's here. Like that's uh, but you do have <laughs> she you still do has have a contract. Good for her. Yeah. Hey, does she cool. work there? I don't know if she works there. Yeah. Like I think she's great, but I don't know if she actually works at AEW. So like that was weird. And to your point, Jay Hood, like that's why I go Candace, because simply I trust Triple H to book a women's division more than I trust Tony at this point. And Candace already seems to be getting involved. It looks like the seeds already be planted that Candace is going to be part of war games. Like you imagine it's going to be her and like Oscar and all them versus damage control. And like, that's going to be a huge spot for her. And like Candace is someone I think that can go with anybody. And I thought AEW should have signed her right away because she could have made an impact there. But I think she's going to do big things under Triple H. I, again, I, I know what Soraya can be, and I guess I lean back on that potential. Maybe, maybe she can't recapture it. It was five, uh-huh. you know, five years ago. But like, she was as big of a star in that women's division. You know, I mean, probably not as big as Becky Lynch, but you know, to what Becky Lynch got to. But other than that, man, for the last seven, eight years, like she was it. People would go crazy when she made her debut when she beat AJ Lee. Like, I, you know, it's in there. And, and I think that once she finds it and finds her footing again, she's going to be okay. Now, the, the point you bring up about Tony booking the women's division is an interesting one because he's got some women that can go. And he's okay. done some interesting things. Like, I mean, even after the disaster that was before that, like Tony Storm and, and Serena still put on a pretty good match yeah. because Serena Deeb and Tony Storm can wrestle. And the stuff they did with Serena Deeb for a while, the professor's five-minute challenge, like that stuff was fun. It was interesting. And then he just completely goes away from it. And it, he has one star in that division. And maybe he has one and a half if you count Jamie Hayter because she's getting to that point. But right now they got one star in that division. And three years in, they have to do a better job of booking that women's division to make some of these women look stronger. They're and Fightful women. reports that if you look at the contract, uh, Soraya is getting paid as if she's going to be wrestling. Okay. I just so know that. Just that, based on that. That crowd liked Jamie Hayter a lot. I just know, like, she's it. I mean, she's – I think she's fantastic, and I think she's a great, really good wrestler. Uh, just a side note about this, guys. Watch this very closely before it hits the dirt sheets. There's something going on with Thunder Rosa. There's a disconnect with her and some of the other women wrestlers in that company. Watch it very closely now. Did you notice in the press conference – I know there's so much with CM Punk and all this nonsense that happened, but did you notice Tony uh, Tony Storm in her press conference? Like, oh, yeah. well, I, I guess I guess Thunder, Thunder Rosa's hurt or something. She says she's hurt was the quote. She said – she sat there and she says, well, Thunder says she's hurt, so when she says she's healthy, I'll kick her ass and unify the titles. That was basically what she said. Guys, there's something going on there. Just watch very closely. There's something yeah. – wrong there because have you heard anything from thunder rosa on tv lately i know she's hurt but i again tony storm's the interim champion i know taz stumbled over that she's the aw women uh, the, 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 the interim <laughs> champion mm. and look i mean which is a shame because i thought thunder rosa again the match that she had a year ago now with Britt baker was such a star making moment and she just and i think she had some of the crowd and was ready to get there and just could never get over. You have the stories about her and, and some other controversies, the way that she worked with some of the other women in AEW that I think kind of prevented her from getting to the point where I thought she could potentially be because I think she can go on the ring. But she there just always has been that little bit of disconnect. Um, well, between remember Thunder they screwed Rosa. up the title win. Like she was yeah. over it with a big moment. They have Britt win. And then a couple weeks later, like, hey, let's run it back on a dynamite. And like, the title win didn't feel as special. Like they took their own wind out of the steam there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Bad booking. Bad yeah. booking. Right? And they, I, they need to figure that out. They need to figure that out in AEW for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we have in our news and notes section this week, Brian? All right. Speaking of contract stuff, Malachi Black took to Instagram Live to shoot down what he calls BS rumors of his contract status. Says he will be back in AEW after he deals with personal things in his life. Reports also out that Buddy Matthews is leaving AEW. He went to Twitter to share a Seinfeld gift saying fake, fake, fake. Not exactly, you know, uh, saying exactly what he's talking about, but House of Black contract news. Okay. Is this tied into the tampering or is that a separate segment about the tampering? So I throw that in. So Bobby Fish, speaking of reports, has reportedly tried to get Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to return to the WWE with him, but Adam Cole ratted him out to Tony Khan. Bobby Fish, now a member of the Impact roster. 
Okay. All right. So, let's just, yeah. so you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just that's, <laughs> the way you delivered that was cold. <laughs> no one would say Adam Cole, baby, because there's nobody in the arena for impact. We wouldn't get over with nobody there in Nashville. <laughs> right. I mean, okay, let's wrap this all up in a bow then. Yeah. This whole thing. Tony Khan's got to realize, Gabe, that that he's in a wrestling war. When Triple H sends feelers out and says, hey, uh, you know, Swerve Strickland and some of those other names that Broitz mentioned, would you be interested in coming back? Those guys are under contract in AW, and Triple H has the balls to say, don't you want to break your contract and come wrestle with us? Just, I say this, I feel like I say this a lot. Cody Rhodes has some influence in that because Cody's the Pied Piper. Cody is probably asked by them, hey, how's it going over there? It's so much better without Vince. Man, and the schedule's still light. You might you might wrestle three times a week and you'll get paid more. It's just a great environment. And I'm sure that that's resonating with some AEW wrestlers. But look, if you're Malachi Black, he denies it. You sign possibly a three-year deal. I, I read four some places, but we'll just say three-year deal. Man, live up to your deal. Where are you going? You know, so so I mean, you're in AEW because you didn't like the WWE. Pl- run out your contract, and if you want to go back, you can. But I think it's really, really shaky for Triple H to look over the fence and say, "Yeah, I want those guys over in my company," while AEW has those guys under contract. Well, again, but he's again Triple H's sword, despite his spin of "Oh, they beat our developmental." Like, Triple H wants to get back at AEW. Like, of course he does. Like, they're the ones who forced him off Wednesday into Tuesday and likely forced him off of NXT before he had his health issues, right? Like, so I, I understand what Triple H is doing. Yeah, hey, let's get my guys back. I'll get my guys back. I'll, I'll put out a couple feelers to my boys over there. I treated you well in NXT. You don't think I'm going to treat you well on the main roster, SmackDown Raw? I understand 100% what Triple H is doing here, and that's the part that Tony has to realize. Like, when those guys left to go to AEW, like, you think Vince gave a rip about Adam Cole? Like, no. no. Like, he wanted no part of Adam Cole in his vision of WWE. That was just a but manager so, leaving to him. According to Vince, yes. that was just a manager going He's away. He's going to be a manager. Right. So, and what, yeah, actually, actually, what's he probably would have been part of that whole males models gimmick. Adam oh, yeah. Cole probably oh. would have been that. Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh. I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That would have been tough. But, but 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 Tony needs to realize with Triple H running things, like this thing is actually back, like in terms of some people debuting over there. And, and or we're going to see some some people go from WWE. Like we saw, we've seen so many people go from WWE to AEW. I think we're going to see that start to go the other way now because of what we have with Triple H over there and how the, the relationship that Hunter had with so many of those wrestlers who were were in NXT, who and we all loved NXT at that point. NXT seemed to be great; everybody loved it. So I think we're going to see some of those guys eventually go back when their contracts expire. But yeah, Tony, I mean, Tony's smart enough not to like just let somebody out of their contract so they can go debut in WWE. Like right. Tony's not that dumb. And then, so Andrade also tweeted today uh, hashtag Free El Hidalo. and like I think if you're Tony, also one, it's going to challenge you to be better at utilizing everyone. And also, maybe you don't need to sign every single person to, you know, bloat the roster where we talked about, and I couldn't even tell you the dude's name at this point, that guy that was briefly on NXT that showed up and, like, was sleeping with the fishes and had a match, and we're like, who, who is this guy? And then you found out he was part of NXT 2.0. You can't sign everyone just because they were somehow worked for WWE at one point. Take what you have, make them work, make it better, and then they don't want to leave. That was very ominous, the... Um... The beach picture, I think I saw yeah. on Instagram of Idolo, as you mentioned. What do you mean free Idolo? You want to go? And listen, I understand if you want to be close to your wife in the WWE yeah. in Charlotte, that's fine. But what does that mean? Are you trying to get out? I, right. I mean, has he been utilized well in AEW? No. no. But you, but again, when you stockpile all this talent and nobody gets over, or very few get over, that's what it looks like. If if Andre if Andrade went to WWE, can I tell you something, Gabe? It'd be the same thing. Oh, 100 percent Like he'd 100%. Be, like, like, like he'd be a he'd be solid, but I don't think that they look him as a world title contender, even though the guy can go. He'd just be stuck in the middle of the card on either show. He would he would be raised 
We were just talking about, you know, with, with Candice LeRae potentially being propped up with Johnny Gargano a little bit over there. Like, his profile certainly would be raised because Charlotte's such a star over there. Like, I think that helps him kind of raise that profile. Maybe he has some, some intergender tag matches with her, and that props him up a little bit. But, yeah, WWE is pretty good right now in terms of some of the people that Triple H has brought back. I think they've got their roster at a pretty healthy spot where if they sign too many of these guys – that, that's the part that I think you also have to realize if you're Malachi Black, if you're Buddy Murphy, if you're Andrade El Idolo, if you're Bobby Fish, if you're, you know, like if you end up going back there, I don't think things are going to be better for you at this point. Right. Like it's, they, they've got a pretty good, I would say, roster number going on right now in WWE. I guess the only thing WWE advantage is they have more hours to fill. But yes, the same premise of you can't fill, you can't make everyone a world title contender. Yeah, yeah you, have, you have six hours versus three. Right. With well, AEW's three, and, and YouTube doesn't count because those are just squash matches. Yeah. Um, Elsewhere in news and notes, Pro Wrestling Noah has announced that Sting will team with the Great Muda at the, and this is the name of the event, Great Muda Final Bye-Bye. This event will take place in January in Japan. Well, that's a little bit racist. <laughs> the name of the show. I, I, I wouldn't call it even a little bit racist. I think that's just fully racist. Like that's, that's that's not a little bit. That's a lot of bit. That's what they came up with. So check them out in January. Muda and Sting coming together. Why did they call it that? Damn it! Why did they call it that? Like, come on, man. You think you think I want on my credit card statement that I bought the Great Muda's final bye-bye? Like, you think I want that statement on my state? No, I don't want that on my statement. I don't have to look at that's what I bought. Come on. What? Now I'm now I'm gonna be accused of being racist for just buying it. Like it was it wasn't for me, it was for a friend. I don't think you understand. Even Game Changer wouldn't do that. <laughs> in the business. I mean, come on, man. I'm not even gonna give you another example of that because then I'd be out of a job. But the point <laughs> is, is that that is not right. I mean, it's his last match. Give him his flowers. He's a Hall of Famer. He's great mooder, for God's sakes. <laughs> Speaking of racist, 1990. <laughs> great Muda is in WCW. I didn't know where that was going. Yeah, well, you know I, I'm a little worse. Well, well, since we're down the racist train, I think we're still it. 1990, Great Muta is managed by Gary Hart. And Jim Ross suggests, because he's in the front office, Jim Ross says, I'll tell you what, this guy, he's a, he's a sex symbol. Every time he comes to, to the Atlanta offices, the women love him. We should make him world champion. And, oh, my God, Ole Anderson, those old, old the old guard from the 70s and 80s, no way we're going to make a Japanese guy a baby face and the world champion. This is 1990. Uh. 1990, like, we can't make a Japanese guy. First of all, can't make a Japanese guy a baby face. Hello, Shinsuke Nakamura. Can't make him a baby face in 1990. And, oh, my God, making him the world champion, no one would show up. Really? Ah, uh, yes. So the time has changed. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, by the way, not the champion because – the war. That was the reason. Because, because 45 because, years later. Yeah, exactly. See? This business, I swear. And that in the name <laughs> of that pay-per-view is astonishing. Yeah. So check them out in January. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, in news and notes of Twitter news, Sasha Banks has changed her Twitter handle from at Sasha Banks WWE to her real name, Mercedes Bernardo. Now, I believe it still says Sasha Banks WWE in her profile on Twitter. Okay. So I, I, I don't know if this is something that, look, I, I've got like 5,000 followers on Twitter, so I don't think it's a big deal if I change my name. But if somebody who's got one of those little blue check marks has uh -huh. as many followers as Sasha Banks wants to change her name, I'm guessing there's a little bit more of a process. So who knows? Maybe she started this a while ago, finally has been cleared. But I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know if she's going to show up in WWE at this point. I would have thought we would have seen her by now. So maybe we see her, maybe we don't. I, I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced that we see her and Naomi show back up in WWE. Hmm. 
Don't you think that she'll be at the Royal Rumble in San Antonio? You think they can wait that long? Oh, we've waited all this time. Sure. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that women's division on SmackDown isn't – I mean, the, the fact that the only one of the four horsewomen that's currently on television is Bailey is just astonishing to me because Becky's yeah. got the injury, Sasha's gone, and we haven't seen Charlotte since her wedding. No, but you got Liv Morgan, pal. She's real now. She's angry. She dives on people on a table. Nah. <laughs> nah, she's got the killer instinct. How about that? Yeah. Can really see an extreme rules match versus yeah. uh, Ronda Rousey going really well for her. It's gonna go fantastic. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's where we are. Like, no, but it is thin. But you know what? Um, I would not be surprised if they return in 2023 because Triple H told uh, Ariel Hawani that it's just tricky, but we can try to get something done. I believe him. I think it will happen. Derek Brewer says Sasha and Cody at the Rumble. That'd be a pretty big night. That would be a huge night in San Antonio. Wait, 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 wait. It's in San Antonio. Can they come back there? Who? who? Cody, can Sasha Cody and Cody, Sasha, yeah. can they come back in San Antonio? I don't know if San Antonio is a good enough town for those. Uh, that, those are two pretty big names there, Jay Hood. I don't know where San Antonio ranks on the city list. It's a it's a dome. It's it's passable. It's okay. A, there'll be okay. an Alamo Dome. It's, that's fine. All right. NBA big enough team. arena. Okay. Yeah. I got yeah, you. NBA team in that town. That works. All right. All right. I'm, 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 I'm learning the rules as we go here on GKW on how these cities get where they are. So I just, you know, I have to clarify from time to time. This is why I, this is why I've told Craig Carmazan we need a an outlet in Atlanta. So so that way we can start picking up the towns here. Picking them up. <laughs> LA, New York, Atlanta. I think he's down for it, actually. I think oh, that, okay. I'll talk to him about it. He looks at me like I like I've got turds turns for earrings, but at the same time, <laughs> I think he's considering Atlanta or someplace big. All right, All right, for, the, for those that are watching on the trades, don't believe me. Don't don't, don't, yeah. don't <laughs> breaking news. <laughs> Inside <you> radio. <laughs> and finally, on GKW, Jonathan Hood <laughs> saying that G that Good Cover Brands is looking at expanding into Atlanta. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that would be an interesting conversation for you <laughs> next so week. Uh, what do you guys have <laughs> as your match of the week? Uh, for me, I got a couple. We talked about it earlier. Sami Zayn reminding everyone that he can still go. Him and AJ on Monday was awesome. It was fun. He's an honorary oos, and the man can go in the ring. And the other one is last night, Jericho and Bandito. Yeah. Chris Jericho is 51 years old. And for him to go out there and do that, I think there was a lot of potential with him as the ROH champion. That was a fun match. You didn't expect much out of it. I was even surprised they were main eventing, but that was a damn good match last night. Yeah, it was worth being the main event. I mean, I was surprised they were main eventing as well, but it ended up being a main event worthy match. It was fantastic with Bandito. I thought he performed really well. And we've talked about ROH and how it's just kind of aimless. And this is kind of starting putting the ROH belt on Jericho and having him go, I am going to destroy this because all these fans love it. I am going to go after every great ROH champion, which there are some he can't go after, but they've got a lot of them on the roster. And he's starting with Brian Danielson. Like that makes fans interested. You start looking at the list of ROH champions going, okay, A, who can he beat? B, who can beat him to stop this heel run? So like, I, I think it, it has some potential of actually giving ROH some sort of direction for the first time since Tony Khan bought it. Um, I, I, I was I certainly enjoyed that match last night. And again, this one a little near and dear to my heart. But Jungle Boy Ray Phoenix last Friday on uh, on, on Rampage, the two-hour Rampage, that was – it was quick. It was full, a lot of action. And those two were fantastic. So I would add that to the list. Those, it's funny you guys said it, is the two I wrote down. I was going to put Phoenix and uh... – Phoenix and Jungle Boy as my number one match. But then you look at that main event. Now, here's the thing. you uh, I think all three of us really enjoyed that main event on Dynamite. But uh, the audience saw it on paper and went, nah, I'll go to Hurricane coverage. Seriously, because yeah. it, because it wasn't for, uh, for a AEW championship. And they're like, Bandito, I don't really know who that is. 
now I'm good. And that's maybe you've seen his name once or twice, you know, well, like, oh, well, maybe. Well, I, eh. well, Gabe, why did they not get a million viewers? How come they get over a million this time? Because yeah. people saw that main event and like, ROH, uh, I'll watch it later. And, and and look, I mean, they, they're very well. We don't know what kind of travel issues a lot of people had trying to yeah. get there because I, I don't know what else you would have put in the main events. Like, because – they built up Mox versus Juice Robinson, and maybe Juice Robinson's a name that, again, kind of like Bandito, maybe you've seen, but you're not completely familiar with him. Yeah. So I don't think you can put that in the main event either. I, I, you know, certainly again, big Daddy Magic fan, you ain't putting Daddy Magic and Brian Danielson in the main event. No. Um, so I, I just don't know. And look, again, they could have been limited with who could get there, who couldn't get there. The Juice. Ro Juice Robinson Moxley was odd because it was 45 after the hour in the first hour. Your world champion's in the middle of the card. Yeah. But did he did he have a flight? That I just think that that was odd. Like it was I really like, weird. I said, why is he not at the top of the hour? Like the top of the second yep. hour. I thought mm -hmm. it was like I looked at my watch, it was like 7:45, 7:50 Central Time. I'm like, hmm. Why is Last he coming on now? Like, well, and, and then he like, like promo heavy shows ever. Like, I don't yeah. know. And again, it could have been because the locker room was sort of light, but it, it was an odd feel last night. It was, and, and again, for Mox to win with an arm bar, I don't even know if I've seen him use an arm bar as a rest hold. Like, <laughs> suddenly he breaks it out and then he wins with it? Like, okay, I but guess. He gave, he gave you the blood you wanted, though. We haven't seen well, blood. Uh, I mean, the streak is over. I mean, it's it been like three or four weeks since we saw John Moxley blood on television. So, you know, the, the long national nightmare is over. So I, I guess my official is is Phoenix and Jungle Boy because I really enjoyed that match. Yeah, shout out to the people in New York at in Queens. They stayed a long time. They watched uh, four four plus hours, maybe five hours of wrestling in that facility. And then Rampage, I didn't expect a lot. And then I saw they were really good. Those solid matches, yeah. right? Uh, even you know um, Sammy Guevara in his and matchup in the main event. Was really yeah, good. The, the, the guy Broich wanted to give the uh, AEW championship to ended up losing at Grand Slam. Yeah. <laughs> Still can't believe it. Yeah, he's <laughs> all the way out on that. All right, this has been such a fun episode of GKW. There's always things happening in the world of pro wrestling, and you know we're going to be talking about it next Thursday right here on GKW.